Welcome to The Press Office with Kate and Co-PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, a publicist here at Kate & Co PR. And if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Today on The Press Office with Kate & Co PR, I am joined by the very vivacious, young and talented Chessie Keebor. Chessie actually started her career here at Kate & Co PR and after a few pivots in her professional life, she is now the brand director at LA-based Flamingo Estate. It is so nice to see a fellow co doing amazing work overseas. And of course, I just had to ask her about the transition of moving to a new country for work, as well as the differences between the US and Australian markets. Chessie also gives me the lowdown on what exactly a brand director does and what her day-to-day looks like. Enough from me, let's get on to the episode. Hey, Chessie. Thank you so much for joining me today on the press office with Caden Co PR. You actually are a former co, which is amazing to see what you've been doing. So do you mind introducing yourself, what you do and how you got to where you are today? Is our community called a co? Is that what we are? Yeah, we call we call ourselves the co's. Oh, great. Okay. I'm going to add that to my bio. <laughs> Okay, so I started interning at Kate & Co when I was like fresh out of school. I was, I'd taken six months to travel and then I came back and dad had called Kate Keane and was like, my daughter needs to get out of the house. And so sent me on my way to Chapel Street and into the office of all the girls. And honestly, like it probably was like, well, it definitely was like the starting step of my career. But I think it was also like a very pivotal moment for me to kind of set me in the right direction. I always thought that I wanted to do fashion, PR, and that was kind of it. Like it was very like closed off. And then when I was working at Kate & Co, I kind of was opened up to different worlds in hospitality, food, everything in between, like the races, it just wasn't exactly what I had always imagined. And so it kind of, it really set me off in the right direction. And then after two years of doing Kate & Co and kind of like doing intern, admin, very junior stuff, Kate & Co started the Co Collective where I started managing my own talent. And now Now when I look back at that, I was like, I was really such a kid. Like I was really 20 years old managing these like much older than me influences and they just had complete faith and trust in me. When I look back at that, I'm just like, damn, that was like such a rare. When I talk about my career here, people are like, how you've lived so many lives. Like I don't understand how you did that. And I'm like, I truly, I have no clue, but that was probably like the funnest time for me. Like we had an amazing team and I also was able to kind of find my voice then because I had to, I didn't have a I couldn't lean on someone else. It was very much like, okay, these are who you're looking after. Go get them and go get the jobs, go get everything. And it somehow worked. And it really gave me the confidence boost that I needed to then take the next step, which was moving. I went to Mecca and did some contract work for them and worked in their PR team as well and managed like all of the events. They were trying to disrupt the model that they had at the time for Cosmetica, which had become very one-dimensional and they were trying to like open it up to all demographics. And so I worked with the girls there. And again, 
again, like amazing women, such head on their shoulders. And it was just, it was all of these things had got me in the right direction to get the confidence to get on a plane, which truly I woke up one day with a boyfriend in my bed and I just turned around and was like, I'm going to New York. Like, that's just what's happening. And he was looking at me like, what? You're just going to leave? And I was like, yes, I'm just going to leave. And truly from the day that I made that decision to two months, I was on a plane and it was like such a whirlwind. It, it did not start off in the on the right foot. I The day I was getting on the plane, the agency that I was going to work for turned around and were like, you can't come here. We've Googled you and you are a nightmare for our PR team. Like we don't, we can't have you here. And I, I was so shocked. Like I truly could not put the pieces together because at the time, like that stuff just felt so juvenile. It didn't feel like it was ever going to impact my life. And then at, I'm sitting at the airport, literally on the phone, bawling my eyes out. Like I'm not going, I cannot get on this plane. Like there's nothing for me to do. And again, my dad picked up the phone to me and was like, Chessie, get on the plane. You have to get on the plane. There is nothing, there's, you've got nothing to lose. You've already got accommodation, get on the plane. So I got on the plane. We sent my resume out to literally every man and their dog. And when I arrived in New York, I interviewed for the first week and I was so unsettled. Like truly I cried every single day. Like I would be on the phone all of the hours that Australia was up. I was on the phone to my boyfriend. All of the hours that I should have been asleep, I was hysterically crying. It was like a mess. And I think when I finally arrived in the doors of Chandelier, I it was the first time I felt like very settled. I walked into this their crazy penthouse on Soho in Soho and um, I ended up staying for like four hours. We got drinks, we chatted about everything. They were so engaged and so interested. And I was like, I finally have found my people. And they, their first thing to me was, you are way too experienced to be an intern at this company. Like, let us give you a job. And I was so adamant on not doing that. I was like, I have a boyfriend at home. I have a family at home. I'm like, I have to go back. I'm going back. And then three weeks later, I was like, what am I doing? There's no way, there's no way that I'm going back to Australia. So I broke up with a boyfriend, packed my bags, and I've pretty much been there ever since. And so Chandelier is a creative agency that is kind of the hub for all things like branding, new websites, adver uh, advertising, digital campaigns, kind of like nothing in the communication space. They kind of did everything. And so it was a really good starting point for me to test the waters in different worlds other than just PR and really get a feel for communication as a whole. And then when COVID hit, Flamingo Estate was born and I got on a plane during COVID when Chandelier was kind of it was reaching a point where production was completely redundant. There was no world for events and production was, it, honestly, it looked like it was never gonna come back at that point. It was so dark. And after seeing everything, what had happened to the city, it had lost the magic in my eyes. And so I was ready to get on the plane. So I got on the plane and got in the mud with Richard and we created Flamingo Estate. And now 18 months on, here I am, at the brand director at Flamingo Estate. That is amazing. And I love that you've touched on that your your career has had so many, I guess, different aspects to it. And it's always kind of chopping and changing. So you're now at Flamingo Estate. What exactly is the brand? So Flamingo Estate, truly what it's, it's um, the founder of Chandelier Creative's home. So he had, it was, he was always just his home in LA and it was this crazy house with this crazy backstory that he bought on the low and pretty much like kept the bones of the house, but redid everything with Studio KO and it became this like incredible oasis that just did not feel like LA. Like it was in the, it was in a random area in LA on the east side that no one really went to at the time. 
and he created this wonder house. Like it was so beautiful. So we started throwing parties there we, and we collaborated with all of these people like Missoni and Quincy Jones and New York Times and Martha Stewart. And we did so many random events and it kind of, I always like, like to compare it to Great Gatsby because I feel like at that time people didn't know Richard. They knew the house. So they knew Flamingo Estate. That was the name. But sometimes people were talking to him and they wouldn't even acknowledge him as the owner. They would talk to him like, oh, how amazing is this house? Like, it's so crazy. And he would be like, sometimes he would just go along with it. Now, it just was always so funny to me that no one knew him, but they were so willing to come to this party, like without even asking questions, which is so LA, so incredibly LA. But so it started off as just a house. It really was just a house that we'd throw parties at and I would manage it. So I was flying between LA and New York all the time to do a party. We're pretty much doing them once a month at this point. Pissed off every neighbor. Every neighbor hates us. Like, let me tell you right now, I try so hard to make that relationship work. And it's just like, I can't anymore. You guys don't like us. Some people don't like you. That's just where I have to leave it at. But so it started off as that. We started to make really good money from that. And we started to make these beautiful candles that we truly, we would just gift to our friends and Richard would give them to all of his people in his network. Or we went to an event. And at that time we had Chandelier Creative also had a bookstore. So the bookstore would stock them, but it was, it was very small, tiny sales, tiny, tiny, tiny. And then when COVID hit, the farmers in the surrounding areas of the house came to Richard as there was no restaurants open. So they had nowhere to distribute their, their veggies, their fruit, their flowers, anything. And so they were like, can you reach out to your network and see if anyone will buy? And truly they thought it was going to be 40 people that would buy the box. And the first week, I think we sold like 150. The, the second week, it was like 400. And now we have 35 drivers that drive around to LA every Friday. And it, it's so crazy. And we do like seasonal harvest and it's all dependent on what's in season, obviously. And we do a different bloom and it's, it's just became this whole beast in its own. So that kind of like moves completely on its own. It has its own team and they, they just like keep on revolving. The other side of it was we started to create these products, which is where the candles had originally come from. And we always had an apothecary on the Flamingo Estate property where the the, head, the lead gardener, he would just create beautiful things from the, from the seven acres of land that were, he would just grow beautiful things and create like tinctures and um, body scrubs and just anything from the land. And then we we're like, why don't we just do this on mass? So we started creating all these products. So now I think we have over 60 SKUs from pantry, home, garden, bath and body. And it's truly, it's insane. What an amazing brand story. You can literally just see it from being like a party house to this amazing brand. And you are the brand director. So I imagine that your day to day is very busy. What exactly do you do as a brand director? Oh, it's such a good question. I wish I could give you, I don't even know the job description myself, to be honest. I think that it's a little different for me because the reason that I am here is because of my relationship with Richard. Richard and I are very much two peas in a pod. And I I see that man as not only my employer or my like inspiration, but also as like my, my friend. So he and I are so close on everything that we do. So it's not, it's not a real, it, my, my day to day doesn't necessarily match the job title that I have. So we kind of a jump in the mud with everything he and I together. But on the brand director side, I manage all of the partnerships. So anything where people want to collaborate with us on a candle or we did a, we did a store, we did a custom jam with Chrissy Teigen, like all of the stuff that is meshed with another brand I will manage. And then I also keep an eye over all of the production when we're doing our own shoots and internal 
in, internal shoots and um, we do like cookbooks every, we're doing a cookbook, but our every week we do eight recipes. And so we have to shoot all of that content. So there's so many things underneath that are moving that I have my eye over, which is so fun, but it, it really is crazy. Like it, the last couple of weeks has just been insane. Like we did, we do pop-ups at stores. We have a, we did a wine with our wine partner. And so we do tastings like all over the country. And so I have to kind of manage all of those things and as well as keep Richard sane. That's a great job to have. And why do you think that Flamingo Estate really did take off during COVID? What do you think made it so special? I think that timing is is very important for this brand. People were forced to slow down during COVID and also there was such a desire to to feel connected. And what Flamingo Estate does very well is make you feel like you're a part of the Flamingo Estate family and brand. And it feels like everything that we post or do, while it may be like aspirational, is also within reach. Richard writes all of his captions. He signs off X Richard. Like it feels like you're really following your friend, but truly it it, like, and, and, and you're part of his family. Like he writes notes to his, all the people that receive boxes, he writes notes to them. Like it's very intimate. And I think that that's also the one thing that I try to make sure that we're going to be able to keep keep control of as we grow, that that is the beauty of that remains because that truly is why we are so successful is, is this just desire to feel, to feel like a brand means something and stands for something and is also like trying and listening to you and also wants you to be a part of what they're doing. I love that. I think authenticity is really key. And then also like, you know, COVID has just shown that as consumers, all we want is connection, like whether that's with another person or with a brand. So I feel like that's something that Flamingo Estate has done really well. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's like I've kind of follow, stopped following like all influencers and a lot of brands because it just it doesn't mean anything to me. Like truly, I don't want to see all of that bullshit. I want to see my friends. I want to see what my friends are doing, what my family is up to. And it got to a point where it was like, whether it was algorithm or not, I was following so much toxicity truly that I wasn't able to even filter the people that I cared about and I was missing so many important things that to follow a brand like that is important it's important also to stand for something we do yeah I've done the exact same I have done like a massive Instagram column maybe in the past like six to 12 months but I find that I follow a lot of people like yourself whose careers are really aspirational to me and when I was asking the um, team if they had any questions for you one of the questions that came through was that you have this really amazing style and aesthetic and vibe and that really does come through in both your personal Instagram but also the Flamingo Estate brand. Is there anywhere in particular that you get your inspiration from? I'm going to give you such a lame response because truly I don't see myself as a creative person. I see myself as like someone who is surrounded by creativity and I know how to work it. I don't know if I necessarily, like I, I have a great eye that I can thank my parents for but as you can see, I'm surrounded by artwork in my house, but I, I don't necessarily, yeah, I follow trends. Like I'm very mainstream, to be honest. The one thing that, that probably makes me different is that I'm not scared to try things. Like truly, I'm not scared for someone to be like, oh my God, she's got blue eyeliner on today. Or, oh my God, she's wearing neon green blazer. Like I don't really care. I want to wear or do what feels right to me, even if it isn't right to everyone else. And so I think that's kind of the only thing I can credit. Other than that, I'm so mainstream. Truly, I am. Like, I'm just, I don't see myself as, I don't see myself as a creative. I see, I 
I see myself as someone who can make creative, make, I can bring creativity to life. I love that. And you know what? You need to try everything once. That's my, my favorite saying. <laughs> I'm truly the opposite of what you would expect to be a professional woman though. And it was funny because I just said to you before that I did this talk for these, a group of young girls in university and they were asking me how to be, how to be professional and feminine in a workplace. And I looked at them and I was like, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have an answer for you because I have the longest nails. I have extensions in someday I have a long braid the next I swear I was like I'm the least professional person but I'm the most human person and there is a beauty and there's a beauty in that people say it goes back to why people love flamingo like people like to be connected to humans we're humans we all we all make mistakes we all we all wear the wrong shoes one day like who cares who like truly who cares it's all about that connection and exactly you know mistakes make you human so yeah oh I live for a mistake you can't succeed you can't succeed without fucking up and I truly live by that because I have the amount of times like I've sat there freaking out about something that I've done like you just have to let that go and that's what I tell everyone too that like works with me and my team I'm like don't stress about things every we're not saving lives like we can fit every single thing is fixable so I, I like if I could look back at my life the one thing that I wish I could remove is like all the fear that I had and all all like the I was so scared to fuck up for a really long time because I was scared of the consequence of that whereas now like truly I embrace it it's like that saying it's PR not ER you know we are definitely not saving lives but I have to say I am very jealous of what you've been doing and the US seems like a completely different world not only because of COVID but because of the access to all the celebrities that you have have you found there being any major difference between the Australian and US media and events industries I think you're going to be surprised with what I say but I think that the US still has a um, a love for traditional PR like print still exists here yeah I don't think it exists the same way in Australia and also also, I feel like influencers, because it's such a saturated community in the US, people don't lean on them as much. Like we we never pay influencers. Like we'll send them stuff, but we, we don't pay influencers. And same thing at Chandelier, like we didn't really do that either. And I see that that's kind of the topic of conversation all the time is like, yeah, we'll send you stuff. But I don't know if people are still as obsessed with that whole influencer promoting space as we definitely were two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, it, it's definitely starting to, I guess, like wean down here as well I think it's just become so oversaturated and like we were saying before people want to work with authentic influencers per se no it truly truly it is no it's funny when girls like tell me that they follow me they follow me for that and I'm like oh no I'm such a normal like I'm such a regular person but then when I really look at it and think about it I'm like I follow girls like me well not like me but in that same realm they're not influencers they're just girls that are doing what they do and I like to watch them do it because it's powerful to me but other than that like I'm not following the girl scrubbing Frank body over her body like I just don't care anymore yeah Exactly. And it's really been that shift, I reckon, in that past 18 months. And with that, obviously, COVID has changed our personal lives. And, you know, I I can't speak for you. You're in a completely different country. But how has COVID impacted you and your career? And I guess what what does the future look like for you? I think COVID for sure humbled me because I realized that, um, not that I was ever arrogant. I also was, I was always the person that if I was told to go get a coffee for them at any level, I would go do it. Like that's, that's fine. But I think that 
COVID for sure humbled me because I was thrown in a position where my job was made, wasn't made redundant, but it was like across the, like I wasn't actually at a loss of a job, but I, the, across the board, I had nothing to do. And so I had a decision to make that I could have just gone home and I could have run away and gone to where it was safe, but I stuck it through. And I think that the, I had to, I had to go and do anything in between. I had to go and pack boxes at seven o'clock in the morning to send out to people across LA. Like that's something I never thought that I was going to have to do at 26. Like I was already making my way up the industry ladder and then to all of a sudden feel like I was at the bottom when I wasn't at the bottom. I actually like showed a level of loyalty that proved that I was at the top. But to have to go do those things, it humbled me because it was like, it was a reminder that you have to stick it through. You have to stick it through with people through thick and thin. And also that a title means nothing. It means nothing. But on a mental thing as well, I think it made me clear out a lot of a lot of bullshit in my life. I saw the way loyalty was a big thing. I saw the way people wouldn't stick by the people that mattered or the companies that had helped them. Like I, it made me, it made me check a lot of the people in my life and um, brought to the surface conversations no one was having before. So I don't know, I kind of felt people are gonna hate that I say this, but I kind of feel like COVID empowered a lot of people to find a voice. And I, 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 obviously as on a pandemic level, I think that it's terrible what's happened, but I think on a, on a humanitarian level, it's forced conversations no one was going to have. And it's forced us to relook and think at the people we keep close to us that we probably wouldn't have done otherwise. And yeah, it, it really has changed, I guess, our industry as well. Like, especially here in Australia, like at times when we were very open, there actually was this kind of stripped back level of events but the events that we were putting on even the media were telling us how much better they were because there wasn't just an event for the sake of having an event they all had meaning they all had substance and you could just tell that everyone who was there wanted to be there I think it's important like it's yeah I never believed people when they said that the realest people have the smallest group of friends I never believed that because I was always someone I was like I'm real but I was spread so thin across every every friendship group everything I was just like I felt like that's what it meant to have a fulfilled life was to be friends with everyone to walk into a room and know everyone and be that person that they're like oh Chessie and then I think what COVID reminded me of was like no, having those five, 10 people that are around you that are solid is so much better than that. And I don't go out anymore. I truly am like, I'm so happy and content with my boyfriend, my three friends on my bed. Like truly I am. <laughs> and I never, a year ago, I never would have said that. I would have been like, no, I've got to be at the club. That's all you need in life, to be honest. I do like the club. I miss the club. So I can't agree completely. I don't miss the club. I'm like so surprised because that is, that's where C Money was born. See money, all she did was party and I was getting paid to party. Now you literally like I went to I went out to a club last weekend and I was like, oh, I hate it here. It's the same people. It was the same people from a year ago. Like, oh, what were you guys doing the whole time? Yeah, I know. It's really like that when you're out of it, you're like, oh, why would anyone do that? And then when you're in it, you're like, why would anyone not do it? I hundred percent. Oh my god, a hundred percent. And I have to ask, what is it like working with the creme de la creme of the celebrity world? And if you have any event highlights, celebrity highlights, I need to know. <sighs> Again, I'm going to have such a boring answer. I feel like what I've realized, having been intimate with so many celebrities work-wise, is that everyone is human. I think I spent a long time thinking putting people on a pedestal, assuming that you don't have the same problems as me or you don't understand or 
but they do understand. I, I was at an event for New York Fashion Week a few weeks ago and it was, I don't know if I should say the name, <laughs> but there was, a, there was a celebrity there who was hosting the event and she had fear in her eyes. Like there was like a, there was like a little bit of insecurity there. Like she was nervous to be running this event and rightfully so, because if I was in that, those in her shoes, I would feel the exact same way. But it was such a nice moment for me to see that because I was like, okay, you're not thinking that you're better than everyone. You are actually a little nervous and I would be too. And so I, I, I've had a lot of moments like that. And we did an interview with Billie Eilish the other day for BBC and she came in like she was everyone's friend. Like she was like, hey, how are you? Like, oh, what'd you eat for de- today? You get your coffee? And I was just like, you're so normal. Everyone's so normal. Like, so I honestly, I've, LA is funny though, because there is also, I say this because I've dealt with some really amazing celebrities who have like beautiful souls. But then at the same time, like in my personal life, I've definitely dealt with the toxicity that celebrities bring too. But on a career level, truly, like I, I see, like Billie Eilish brought her mum to set. I would bring my mum to set. Like that's such a nice thing. So I think I've just realized that yeah, everyone's everyone's human. That's good to hear too. So that there's not heaps of divas out there ruling the world over there. Yeah, truly. I've actually like I've had such like I look at the last few years and we've worked with really amazing people and they all all of them are just such really, really just beautiful people for the most part. Obviously, there is some divas, but for, for the most part, truly, it is good. And then a career career highlight. Like, honestly, I feel like I don't, I think my highlight is seeing the success of Flamingo Estate. Not that I attribute that to myself at all, but I love that I was really in it from its infancy. Like truly I was with it from the very beginning. And my relationship with Richard is such a testament to that. And I think that that is probably one of my career highlight is like going into work every day with people that I truly trust and value and seeing the success of a brand. Like we have so many things coming up in the mix that I'm just like, I look at it and I, I have to like slap myself in the face. Like I cannot believe that this is where we're at. And, tr- and even myself, like I have to stop myself all the time and be like, dude, what? Like you're a baby. Like I'm a baby. I'm like such a child. And I look at this and I'm, I, it's just, it's just crazy. Things take, take off overnight. And it's been, that's been my highlight being there for the ride of that, being there for that journey. I think like you have had such an amazing career and now you're a brand director at such a young age for a brand that is really killing it. And I can imagine so many people listening to this podcast and looking at your career in awe. Do you have any advice for them who who are wanting something similar to what you've achieved? You have to let fear go. I keep coming back to this, but it's so important. I think you have to let fear go. If I look back at my entire career, I let it all go. Like I truly, I let it all go. I jumped into every scary situation and I didn't look back. And I think that that's just what you have to do. Because honestly, the worst thing can happen is you have to get on a plane and go back home or you have to apply for another job there there's always ways to pivot and I just think you have to let it go you have to let fear at the door you have to and when you do that you're able to you're able to see like fear to me fear is an emotion that we've made up it's not a true thing like it really is not if you watch a scary movie and you turn off the sound you are not scared it's the same thing if you stop if you stop letting fear inject itself all the way through you and you just look at something realistically it's nothing is that nothing is that daunting 
truly it's not. I love that. And that is such great advice. I have had such a lovely time chatting to you. But before we end, I always ask my guests a few quick fire questions about how they prefer to work. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Email or phone call? Phone. Coffee or wine? It's hard, but I, uh, wine for sure. I could give up coffee. I could give up coffee. I really could. <laughs> Digital or traditional media? Traditional. I love print. Instagram, Facebook or TikTok? This is so This is so what a 27-year-old should not be saying, but TikTok. <laughs> I, I love TikTok. I'm obsessed with it. I'm, ob- I'm obsessed with TikTok. Like I, I am so obsessed with TikTok. It's crazy. I want to be a TikToker, but I can't bring myself to be a TikToker yet. No, I tried. You know what? In COVID, I tried to do the dances. I tried to be that guy. It's just not for me. It's not for me. I'm not, I'm not like that jolly person who just can sit there and smile. Like I'm not, I'm not that person. They make it look so easy too. I don't know how they do it. I feel like you have to be very PG-13. Like, yeah, there's some like rude, funny stuff on there, but for the most part, like you have to be, you have to fit I don't fit that mold. I'm like, I'm such an outlier to the social media world. I'm like, what the fuck is up? (laughs) Can I come? No, I love it. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me, Chessie. Right, me too. I hope I've um, inspired some people to jump in the mud. Yes, I definitely think you have. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.